This is your host, Pete Moore, and I am pleased and humbled to announce the launch of my one and only book, Time to Win Again, 52 Takeaways from Playing and Watching Team Sports to Ensure Your Business Success. Those of you who know me personally and anyone who listens to Halo Talks for any length of time know that I am an avid sports fan and a big believer in the value of team sports. What I've seen over the past 25 years helping businesses grow, raising capital, being an entrepreneur myself, and coaching and mentoring executives in the sector, it's the lessons learned on the field perfectly apply to business. Entrepreneurs, executives, managers, you name it. Every company that's a strong company has got a good team. It's a quick read. There's awesome illustrations in there from our good friend, Mark, at Cruelty Free Cartoons. If you go to integritysq.com, enter your email address, and we will send you information on the book and the Entrepreneur's Survival Kit as well. Be great. Take names. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location, Dallas, Texas, with my new best friend from Illinois, Benji Ecker, tennis enthusiast, head of the College Park Athletic Clubs by way of Jeff Van Dixhorn. Welcome to Halo Talks. Thank you, Pete. Glad to be here. Awesome. So we met a couple of weeks ago when I'm uh, become a, a tennis junkie and uh, yeah. visited your location. It was packed. It looks like people were very happy. You know, tennis has obviously picked up steam uh, over the last 12 to 18 months, like a lot of other racket sports and, you know, COVID-friendly activities. So why don't we first start out with your background, how you got into the industry, and um, we'll kind of riff from there. Yeah, man. I uh, I was an athlete as a kid into all sorts of sports, did a little bit of everything, baseball, basketball, uh, tennis, soccer. Uh, I I was a terrible baseball player, but if I got on base, I was the kind of kid that would Steal second. Yeah, I couldn't third. hit a curveball. Yeah, so yeah. after eighth grade, I was like, I need a bigger racket. That's why I started playing yeah, tennis. Yeah, on bigger yeah. racket. But uh, my dad was uh, my dad was a coach too. Oh. He he, uh, he taught high school math and coached high school basketball and mm. tennis. So had the sports in the blood. Um, How was that? Kind of basketball playing for your family. dad. How did that go? So I didn't I didn't play for my dad in high school. He wasn't my high school coach. He oh, he had okay. gone on to start a business by then. But uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, tennis uh, kind of. You know, I'm in that now, but I only played that as a kid. Uh, in high school, I was I was soccer, basketball, and then track and field was my my main thing. That's what I did in college too. Okay, I was a hurdler. Oh, really? Yeah, one of my crazy ones. Nice. So, yeah. I love watching those on the Olympics. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's not yeah. easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I took a weird route to get where I am. Um, I think I told you a little bit about that before, but uh, yeah, tell us at, about the, the the religious and spiritual yeah, side yeah. and kind of morphing that yeah, into exactly. you know running a, a large health uh, operation. Right. So I went to, to North Natural Park. Natural path, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Prescribed. Um, North Park University is where I went to undergrad. Um, after I finished, I went to Sweden. Uh, lived in Stockholm, Sweden for a year. Oh wow. Worked at an international church there, so it was like. 40 different nationalities coming together, a lot of immigrant population there. Uh, interesting experience. I thought maybe I would want to go into that line of work. Mm. Came away from that going, not for me. Uh, went out to the West Coast for a few years, kind of bounced around, odd jobs. Lived with some uh, college roommates, actually. Uh, the, wanted, the complete opposite uh, yeah, of the yeah, Swedish experience, ex- obviously. Totally. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like. And then uh, 
uh, got kind of pulled back into the church world a little bit, mm. uh, applied for a scholarship at a seminary uh, back in Chicago, got that and, and moved back to Chicago and, and did grad school there. Spent seven years at a small church in Western Michigan. Wow. Um, before uh, kind of deciding to blow up life again and move back to Chicago. I, These are all just chapters, not yeah, yeah, blow yeah. ups. So uh, just like, hey, this chapter <laughs> ended, I got to roll. Yeah, they, I'm coming back. It's like uh, chapters of about seven years at a time. But, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, got the, I got the seven year itch. I'm Benji, and now here's yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah. landing. That's, that's about right. Um, so came back to Chicago and reconnected with an old classmate of mine, Brian Wu. He was running College Park at the time. He was mm -hmm. running uh, this tennis club. Um, I had no inkling of, of wanting to be in the business world, let alone work at a tennis club. I mm -hmm. wasn't a tennis player. But he said, hey, come work for me until you figure out what's next. Um, and I never left. I, I love the, the good friend. Eh? Love the community there. Yeah. It's like um, you crash on my couch or I'll give you a job at my yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. That's, or I, both. Well, and that's obviously I met Jeff Van Dixhorn there. Um, he's yeah. the owner of that club. Uh, really grew to appreciate his leadership, um, his generosity, uh, and see, okay, this is a place where I can dig in. Uh, they threw everything at me. I kept saying yes, and I uh, uh, found myself in Brian's seat uh, a couple years later gotcha. when, when he made a move to Club Automation. So here I am. Awesome. So, you know, over the last couple of years, obviously a big change in the industry, a lot more people actually going and, and, and playing tennis. I think it was, you know, between golf and tennis, probably like the two most recreational sports that kind of picked up, you know, uh, you know, usership or whatever you want yeah. to call it. How did you think about that when, you know, you got a membership base, they want to be safe. Um, you got a lot of new people coming in, you got to mm -hmm. deal with all sorts of restrictions. Um, what do you think about tennis as, as a sport? You know, a lot of people have taken tennis courts, turned them into pickleball courts. You know, what, what do you kind of, what have you seen over the last couple of years and, It'll give us a little bit of insight into how the how the club works and yeah. how you think about it. Yeah, uh, racket sports are are on the move right now. Mm -hmm. uh, people, I mean, you, you mentioned pickleball. People are flocking to pickleball right now, um, and that's that's something we're we're looking at right now. Mm -hmm. And but tennis too. Tennis is on the rise. Um, pickleball might be eating into that a little bit with some older adults. Paddle tennis too, uh, super popular, a lot of fun. You can play it outside in the winter mm -hmm. time, but. A lot of people picked up a tennis racket for the first time or the first time in a decade uh, in COVID because that was one of the few things you could do as a socially distant sport. I'm not sure how COVID doesn't get on the tennis ball and then you use the ball and it goes the other side, but I'm not a scientist, but <laughs> it doesn't intuitively make sense to me, but let's keep playing tennis because I try and play every day. We, we looked into that. Uh, Will, did? Wilson you scoring good free tennis it, balls? Yeah. Yeah. They said it doesn't happen. They so, spray them? Yeah. We were spraying them for a while, actually. Um, doesn't do uh, any good to the tennis ball, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, yeah, it's like yeah. Um, like going out with like uh, insect repellent or something, you know. Yeah, but we, we one of the things we did um, in COVID, just to drive home the, yeah. the safety of tennis, we, we put out this graphic that showed uh, not just the square footage of a tennis court, which is generally about 7,200 square feet, but the cubic footage that one person occupies on a tennis court. And it's, it's insane. It's something like... Mm. I forget, I want to say like 150,000 square feet on average and, and did kind of some equivalent uh, uh, situations. And basically it'd be like shopping by yourself in Walgreens. Oh, you're saying basically like yeah, on the, like the in terms, proration of the... Exactly. Uh, I got you. Yeah. So it's the closest thing to being outside while being inside. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when you first have people come in, you know, obviously you want to 
run your business for the community. You also want to run your business, you know, for, for, for uh, to be as profitable as possible. Um, how did you guys think about, you know, pricing, you know, usage was really high. So supply demand maybe was, you know, balanced in your favor or did you look at it and say, hey, look, this is what the competitors are doing. This is what we're doing. And, you know, my business is going to run at full capacity, but I'm not necessarily just going to try and, you know, raise price when I want to try and attract people here long term. Yeah, we, we kind of stuck to our model, actually. Um, and, and we're a program-driven club as opposed mm -hmm. to membership-driven. Um, we are a membership club, but programs really drive uh, our revenue. And we really kind of stuck to the same pricing model that we've had all along and made the raises that we probably would have made in, in any other year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no real big changes there. But you have, um, toward the club, it's a beautiful club. You know, you've got a functional training area. Yeah. And... Um, how have you marketed that, messaged it? Is it kind of infusing in people, hey, look, this is what you should do before tennis, this is what you should be doing after, or is it kind of like a completely different, hey, like this is your health club for the people that just want to use a health club? Yeah. Or both. Yeah, we made major investments, especially in the training space. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the big challenge right now is how do we communicate to our tennis community the importance of training off court as well? You train right. on court, uh, you got to train on court or off court uh, in order to keep your on-court time, um, prevent injuries, yeah. build strength. You're not gonna, you're not gonna hit the ball any harder by uh, continuing doing what you're doing on court. You actually might hurt yourself. You need mm -hmm. your strength training if you wanna, if you wanna increase your power. So, yeah. it's education. Um, that, that's a challenge before us right now. I loved when uh, during the U.S. Open, uh, you know, they would ask uh, Djokovic, you know. You seem like you're really in the zone. You know, can you tell us what you're doing? He's like, nah, I can't, I can't disclose that. And I was like, dude, that's kind of a secret weapon, not telling people what you're doing, because then they think like you've got some higher level, right. you know, like right. mind coach that no one knows about. And he's like locked in a room somewhere. Well, he, he might. He might have one. He might have one. Who knows? Yeah. And Tom Brady might, you know, he play until he's yeah, 50 he probably, or something. Does. Who knows what he's taking? I think he's clean. Um, I'm sure he is, but I'm a giant fan. And, you know, <laughs> I got I hate the Patriots, so that's not going to change. Um, but from a standpoint of, um, you know, getting back to getting back to tennis, getting back to one location. Um, what have you seen with the community and how have you guys kind of been that support valve to them and how, how do you think the relationship that you have with your members and your and your tennis players changed over the last 18 months yeah uh communication was so vital i mean we were shut down for 75 days and keeping that link with with our community uh required getting our coaches to change uh from in-person learning to to virtual mm -hmm. um and we tried some virtual tennis in instruction <laughs> found out really quickly uh, that, that's pretty tricky. Pe people don't want to take tennis lessons virtually. Um, yeah, I've seen that Wii machine. Maybe that's like the only thing yeah, that maybe yeah, you exactly. could do and not break anything in your house. But but uh, being able to provide valuable content to our to our yeah. members uh, free of charge and and just um, keep people active, even though you know we were sheltering at home and all that. Um, that was that was vital to to keeping our community uh, alive and, and and well. So um, our coaches did an unbelievable job at that. I wanna take a minute and tell our audience about two awesome workout recovery products I've been using for the last 18 months from HigherDose.com, leader in infrared technology for athletes like all of us are. We're an investor in the company. That's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because it works. 
Got an infrared sauna blanket. I hop in there. I'll listen to some podcasts. Burn 800 calories. Get a mad detox. And a PEMF, which is a pulsed electromagnetic field crystal mat that I lay on and I recalibrate my cells to the normalized level of the earth. If you got somebody you like and you're looking for a pretty awesome gift, they will love it. You could use this code HALO75, get $75 off and you will not be disappointed. Hiredose.com, promo code HALO75. And now let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. So, you know, as you look at other um, health clubs in the area or you look at other tennis centers, um, do, you, do you look at other programming like, hey, you know, we're going to co- go and compete kind of like, you know, intramurals or, you know, back when we were in high school? Like, did, is there anything kind of coming down the pike that people should think about either on the tennis side or running, um, you know, a, a high end health club that you think is like the next big thing that or some things that you're like excited about trying to test out? Yeah, um, I think the integration between, like I was talking about, on-court and off-court training mm-hmm. um, is even more important. You know, players are, are getting more powerful. They're getting stronger uh, and susceptible to some, some major injuries, too, mm-hmm. um, if they're not doing that off-court training. So um, our, we have a coaching development program at CPAC. So a lot of our, our pros get certified through kind of the regular channels. But then we put our coaches through this, this program that we've developed. One of our veteran coaches... Uh, runs this program. He's like an encyclopedia of, of, of tennis. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. um, and it's an eight-week program. We put all our coaches through this, uh, about five to six coaches at a time, um, a cohort. Uh, and I think we've graduated two cohorts so far. We've got a uh, third one on the way here. And we pulled our, our, our trainers into that too. So mm-hmm. our this personal is only trainers. for your internal staff. This is all internal. Yeah, okay. So it's uh, it's similar to, to what they might get at a, a certification, but with... Uh, a little bit more comprehensive learning and, and with our own culture and values right. uh, infused into that. So uh, that's been super successful in getting our team all on board mm-hmm. uh, and getting our trainers aligned with our pros so everybody's working together. That's so important. Everybody's gotcha. on the same page. So let's pivot to, you know, you, you're responsible for this tennis center. You've got employees reporting to you. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you've taken from, you know, your whether it's being a pastor and being in Sweden or whether yeah. it's, you know, being on a, basketball court and you know hey i gotta get i gotta get somebody to produce and i gotta attack each one of these people or like yeah partner with them to to get something out of them and and each one of them's got like different motivations or different ways to to get the best out of people so how how Mm -hmm. have you kind of done that from your background and yeah you know it it's all people business right um one of the things we've been focused on recently um is this equation i think it's from the book, The Inner Game of Tennis. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with I that. Just, I just downloaded it, but Did I you? haven't listened to it yet. I got the yeah. audio book right here. So I think that's Shit, where this I comes from. listened but to this before. <laughs> the equation is uh, performance equals potential minus interference. Um, Say that one more time. Performance equals potential minus interference. Oh. And I think so often in coaching... We're so focused on increasing someone's skill set, on increasing someone's potential. But a lot of times, the way to make the biggest impact on performance is actually through subtraction. It's through addressing that, that uh, interference. Yeah, that's my top book right there. And again, there tennis go. audio, but I haven't listened to it yet. There you go. Uh, it's not very long. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So, I mean, 
mental health is such a huge issue in sports right now. We've seen yeah. some of the top performers in the world uh, at the very top of their game get sidelined. Their performance went you know, from the top down to zero uh, because of interference. Uh, not, a, not always physical interference, but mental yeah. interference. So um, that's something we're looking at. We're doing a program right now with our leadership team. It's, a, it's called Reboot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a 30-day program. And the principle behind that is mostly subtraction and subtracting interference and distraction. Yeah, that's that seems to be like where Djokovic's kind of got that that edge right now on, sure. on, on minimizing any interference. One point to make, and look, I love uh, 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 Naomi, and I think she's great for the sport. And I think you know if she's very, I've watched her documentaries. So I, I understand, yeah. and she she views herself. She used this term in a documentary that actually bothered me, but I understood what she meant. She felt like she's a vessel for her coaches, for her family, for her fans. That So she's almost like a piece of hardware. Hmm. And without any regard for when she's on the court, she feels like I am, I'm, I'm just I'm responsible for everything. And yeah. I think that burden has, has hit her to the point where I've never referred to myself or I've never even heard someone say to them that say about themselves that they're a vessel. Right. For mm -hmm. other people. And mm -hmm. it's like, so the, the pressure's on her. I guess the question that I have is if you're going to be, if you're going to play at that elite level, like one, you know, I got this book coming out called time to win again. You know, it's also time to lose sometimes and learn from, from those losses. And, you know, you might have a bad day on the court, you know, yeah. that might not be a reason, you know, when she lost to, uh, to Fernandez, you know, in the first round, that woman ended up being in the finals. Right. Right. So right. maybe it wasn't interference. Maybe she got outplayed that day. Totally. Right. Totally. So I guess the question is maybe we need to allow people to understand, like you played baseball until, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. you, you moved on from that, but if you're going to be a baseball player, you better learn to lose at least 80 games a year, right? <laughs> a right. year, right? So every other day right. you're going to lose and you're yeah. going to be feel bad. And then the next day you're going to win. And then next. So I feel like maybe failure should be compartmentalized a little more mm -hmm. and your mental health. Yeah. Keep your mental health, but don't blame losses, you know, on your mental health. If you're yeah. playing the, in, in this elite sport, you know, you're not going to win every day. Totally. Yeah. And, and, our biggest program is junior tennis. We got a thousand kids in our junior tennis program, yeah. and I can't tell you how many kids don't know how to how to lose gracefully. They Man. they avoid losing at all costs, and it uh, ruins it drives their day. me crazy, yeah. bro. When when somebody says like, "Hey, um, no, they don't keep score at this uh, soccer intramural," I'm like, "What's the?" Right. I mean, unless it's an exercise and it's an activity, yeah. like teach people how to deal with failure, yes. right, yeah. and learn from it. There's actually a quote in this book. That uh, is a ten-year-old chess kid. I got. I got to put it on on here because you're gonna like it. Okay. No, might as well get it on here. You know, he lo he's like he's like ten years old. He's a chess player, right? So one, he's only ten. <laughs> and I think you got to have like ten thousand hours to be like uh, an expert at anything, right? So this sure. kid definitely he's probably had not even been alive for ten thousand hours. Um, so as I say to myself, I never lose. That I only learn because when you lose, you have to make a mistake to lose that game. So you learn that from that mistake, and, and you, so you learn overall. So losing is the way of winning for myself, right? Love so, that. Yeah. Love that, right? This kid's 10 years old. He's the newest <laughs> chess master. I'm definitely not going to play against him. Yeah, I'm my, like casual chess. My 11-year-old like, beats me at, at really? chess. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like when you're like, um, 
you know, you play against your uncle or, you know, you know, in basketball. And then like, once you started winning, like he didn't really want to play anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Cool. So, um, you know, you've got a lot of experience. You've got a lot of different, you know, interesting, uh, chapters of your life, you know, give us one, you know, quote or takeaway that, you know, Oh man. Um, sure. You got tons of them. Yeah. Kind of in the same vein. Um, Marcus Aurelius sure. said something like, uh, the universe is change. Life is what our thoughts make of it. Um, we have a lot more control uh, over how our life goes. We don't have control over outside circumstances, yeah. but we control our response to that. And that's, uh, you know, we try to teach our kids, trying to uh, infuse that kind of thinking into how we, uh, how we coach as well. I like that. All right, man. Well, it's great to meet you uh, yeah. randomly in, in uh, Deerfield and uh, look forward to uh, having you at the event and let's keep in touch. Yeah. Congrats awesome. on the book launch. Thanks, brother. I appreciate Good it. See you.